It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, John Riley, from our Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center studios in San Diego. We welcome you to our Thursday weekly podcast, Hacksaw's Headlines. John, we got a great sports weekend ahead of us, but we got some business that we need to take care of first. Reminders to those of us that are joining us on the live stream. Before we get started, want to remind you, our Thursday podcast is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Centers. Dixie Line, home for all your projects for 2024. You've got things you're thinking of doing in the home, at work, on the patio. Think Dixie Line Lumber. And by North County Eye Centers, located Poway and Escondido. We all need doctors who will guide us through whatever eye problems we have. From glasses to prescriptions to contact lenses, North County Eye Center, Poway, Escondido, the people to touch base with. John Riley, before we get started, let's remind everybody who joins us on the live stream what happens at the end of the live stream, a.k.a. Fans Forum. Fans Forum. All right. Actually, Raul and George are already jumping in. So, hey, if you've got a question or comment for Hacksaw, maybe you want to make a you know make your call, your prediction on some of these NFL divisional playoff games, just type it in the, the live chat on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, and we'll get you involved in Fans Forum. We told you something was coming. It's called Hacksaw's Insiders Group. We need you to join our team. There's nothing in the world that you get that's absolutely free except this opportunity to join Hacksaw's Insiders Group. John Riley created it. John Riley will explain how you become part of our team. Yeah, go go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. You can sign up there in the orange box right there on the website. Get on our list. You know, I just sent out the best 15 minutes. I mean, I you created that. That is just like an unbelievable bullet point list of everything that's going on in the world of sports. And we do that every day. Every day. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it, what a, it's like a cheat sheet of a sports section. So sign up, get on the list, and we've got a bunch of things cooking for the new year. And go to my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com, because I write on it every day. Best 15 minutes in sports, Hacksaw's headlines, my... Agree or disagree, don't care. One Man's Opinion (laughs) Columns and Hacksaw's Mini Polls. It's all on my website. If you check that thing every morning, you'll know what's going on in the world of sports. And we invite you, urge you, we demand thumbs up because we think what we do is pretty good. And give us a five-star rating because we need friends. John... We're moving to weekend two, NFL playoffs, and that is the lead topic on the table. Well, this is the best weekend of the NFL, isn't it, Lee? I mean, you get your your eight best teams, four marquee games. I mean, I can't wait to get started. All right, pick, pick a game. Let's get rolling. Let's go Kansas City-Buffalo. Amazing. Not just the football, not just the quarterbacks. The bleeping weather in Buffalo. 24 more inches of snow Wednesday, Thursday into Friday on the Niagara frontier. The Bills got to practice on Wednesday. It was a struggle. As of noon, they weren't sure whether they were going to be able to practice within their bubble. Of course, the players couldn't get there because all the roads are clogged and closed. Friday, the snow is supposed to let up. 
24 more inches on top of what they had before as they tried to clear the parking lot. Where do you put 36 inches of snow that they had last week? Because here comes 24 more. So the weather is going to be a bit better. There won't be snow. It may be cold. But here we go. Kansas City, Buffalo. Josh Allen, all everything. I mean, what he did this last playoff game, what he's done this entire season is just spectacular. He is now over 5,100 all-purpose yards. He has had his fingerprints accounted for 48 touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes, 4,875 all-purpose yards. Patrick Mahomes has got uh, 29 touchdown passes. They seem to have gotten beyond the turnover crisis that they've had. Travis Kelsey, Rishi Rice, between them now, 181 receptions. Those guys have gotten progressively tougher and more responsible for big plays the second half of the season. Patrick Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. Amazing. Dude is 10-2 and two in wildcard games and divisional games and AFC championship games at Arrowhead. He's never played away from home. He's going to the snow. That is Josh Allen on the other sideline. Now we'll see what happens next. Uh, the, I think the, the keys to the game, the Chiefs have to deny the Bills' run game. I think I think that Kansas City's got to stack the gaps. They're going to stop the run, which means putting a lid on James Cook, who's got 1,200 yards rushing. And if Josh Allen wants to run, then finally he's going to have to run through people to get there. I think that their secondary is going to have to hold up in single coverage against Diggs, etc. They got to take one component away, and if you spy on Josh Allen and you jump gaps, maybe you can slow that offense down. And from the Buffalo perspective, you know they lost Matt Milano really early. They lost Trey White really early. Those are two of their best players at the back end. Can Buffalo's back seven defensively hold up? to all the things that Mahomes has at the line of scrimmage. And whether that's just Kelsey and Rice, or it's the running backs they're going to throw to, that's the big issue is what happens to linebackers in the secondary. Can they defend all the things that Mahomes is going to do? This, to me, is a flip a coin in the air ball game. <laughs> Pick them, pal. Anybody could win this one. I, I just wish it was in a great, great element. I wish there was sunshine. I wish it was 50 degrees and good turf rather than 9 degrees, wind blowing across the field off the lake or even lake effect snow. It's too bad. I know that watching weather games is kind of fun, but to see these guys dazzle each other in good weather, that would worth be the price of admission. So what do you think? Yeah, well, in good weather, these both these teams are dynamic. But as a football fan, it's fun to watch it, you know, on TV. I don't know how in the heck those fans go to the stadium and sit through that for like three or four hours in the cold and the snow. And they're going to baby. Yeah, exactly. They're probably down in the Jack Daniels to stay warm. Um these two teams have met in the playoffs a number of times. Is it was it last year and the year before? Yeah, and Kansas City's won. And Kansas City's won. So I, I'm pulling for the Bills. You know, I mean they they're the ones that lost four Super Bowls in a row, like what, thirty years ago. And it'd be nice to reward those fans, especially after, you know, the Hamlin situation and everything that they've gone through. Uh, but it's going to be a fun game, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be exciting. Like I said, I wish it was in the sunshine somewhere on a, on a fast track because 
they got a lot of dynamic football players. And by the way, the fans, I wish I had the picture. I wish I'd taken the picture off my TV screen last week in the Steeler-Buffalo game where they had all the snow and the fans had to bring their ticket in the left hand, a snow shovel in the right hand so they could get in <laughs> to sit in a seat. And there were Steeler fans sitting in their row by themselves. There was nobody in front of them. The snow had not been cleared in front of them or in back of them. And Steeler fan is sitting there with his legs up on the snowbank and his Iron City beer in the snow <laughs> getting chilled. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. just great. Okay, so we've got Kansas City Buffalo. You're an NFL fan. Fire us a question, fans, for him. If you want to pick that game, tell us what you think the difference is. We move on to the other AFC game. Yeah, so Ravens-Texans. I mean, there's been some developments here with the Ravens. Well, you got Baltimore that's finally getting healthy. Coming off the bye week, you got C.J. Stroud, who was on a tremendous tear offensively. Lamar Jackson finished the regular season with 4,490 all-purpose yards, 29 touchdowns. The difference in Raven football today versus a year ago today versus three years ago today, Jackson's healthy. Jackson's got wide receivers to throw through. This kid, Zay Flowers, 179 receptions. Their running backs are averaging almost five yards per carry. Now it's just not Lamar against the world. Now he's got all these other people around him. And defensively, Baltimore's only giving up 301 yards per game. They got 60 sacks, 31 takeaways this season. Ravens are rolling. Uh, Granted, they lost the last game of the regular season when they didn't play anybody. But prior to that, they'd won 10 of their last 11, and they're coming off the bye week. And I will tell you, John Riley, a bye week is like gold for a football team when you get that bye week because you get to recharge batteries physically and mentally, and then you add the excitement of postseason to such a different field. C.J. Stroud, what a spectacular season. 4,382 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, five picks. If you had done all your academic work in grammar school, you would have gotten 100. Mm -hmm. He's got a 100 quarterback rating as a raw rookie. That's incredible. On the Houston Texans, it is. Now, they got injuries. Houston's got injuries. They have now lost Noah Brown and had already lost Tank Dell at wide receiver. All of a sudden, they got Nico Collins and maybe the young kid from Alabama, the cancer survivor, John Meachie. That's all they got at wide receiver. They've run out of pass catchers for C.J. Stroud. So this is going to be a challenge. But the bigger challenge is C.J. Stroud comes to the line of scrimmage and he sees those guys snorting across the line of scrimmage. That defense, they bring heat. And that's going to be, to me, the massive challenge for that young quarterback is how they line up against John Harbaugh's defense, which is just rock solid. Well, you say the bye week is like gold. I mean, that's an interesting topic because, of course, in baseball, the, the Dodger fans whined about having the week off, thought it took them out of their game. But remember when the Chargers were 14-2 and two and uh, the Patriots came to Qualcomm and, and the Chargers blew that game? So sometimes I think like a week off might maybe throw them, depending on the team, right? I, I just don't know what the difference is, though, of a week off and week 19, a bye week for the playoffs versus a week off week 9 of the regular season. Downtime is downtime. Mm-hmm. But when you stagger to the end of the season, beat up with injuries and mentally drained, like I said, week off for football players is gold. It really is. Well, I'm rooting for C.J. Stroud and the Texans in this game. 
Yeah, well, that's Baltimore across the line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. We're in purple and black. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be an uphill. I mean, what's the point spread on this? It's got to be at least a touchdown. At least. but And they're playing in Baltimore, and Baltimore's gone through really cold weather. It's not like you're down in Houston in that dome, so that's that's going to be a challenge. From the AFC, let's go to the NFC. NFC. So, yeah, Lions, Bucks. This is going to be a great one. You talk about two guys, reclamation projects. What Jared Goff has done on behalf of his career to rally that. What Baker Mayfield has done on a one-year contract is unbelievable. Baker Mayfield has reinvented himself, maybe saved his career, and he saved the the coaching career of the head coach, Todd Bowles. I think they were both in real jeopardy at midseason. These guys have really come together. Lions are 13-5, and five, and they just, they just play this street-tough football. They're 7-2 and two at home. Goff has thrown for 4,575 yards and 30 touchdowns this season. Think of that. And Amon St. Brown, the ex-USC star, he's now got 119 receptions. And between their two running backs, they had 1,900 yards rushing. This is about a balanced fulcrum, as you could see, on an offensive unit. Tampa Bay, here's a stat nobody's talked about, and I just discovered this last night. Tampa Bay is two and five against winning record teams this season. Mm. Two and five. Mm. Everybody's louding Baker Mayfield, but Todd Bowles. They're two and five against really good football teams in the league. I was yeah, I was even stunned at that. But their schedule was a bitch. I went back and looked at the results. Played the Eagles twice. Played Detroit. Played Baltimore. Played Houston. Played Green Bay. Played San Francisco. So for them to be in the playoffs, that's pretty impressive, even though their record is 2-5 and five against really good teams. Mayfield, what a comeback season. Maybe he's a comeback player of the year. 4,381 yards passing, 31 touchdowns. Those two receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, 169 catches between them. So what do you think, Tampa Bay versus Detroit? Set the emotion that you're rooting for everybody from the Motor City. Yeah, yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I, I think this is the weekend that Baker Mayfield kind of hits a wall, right? <laughs> I mean, remember when he was drafted, he was in all the commercials. He was oh, living yeah. in the stadium in Cleveland. And he was this, uh, you know, glory guy. And then suddenly he was on the outs. And now he's back near the top of the mountain. So you got to congratulate him. Um, but this is another home game in Detroit, right? So the fans there are starting to get spoiled after 30 years of, of nothing going on. I, but I just can't see the Buccaneers knocking off the Lions in this one. No way. Something weird would have to happen because I just think that Detroit's got too many players, is too good on both sides of the football. Um, but hey, Credit Baker Mayfield for what he's accomplished. And then we move on to the other NFC playoff game. Yeah, the Niners and the Packers. Yeah, this is a great matchup. You got Brock Purdy, who's arrived as a star. You got Jordan Love, who looks like he's about to become a star. And like like I said, bye week is gold. San Francisco is dinged up, including Christian McCaffrey. They've had this bye week. Now the question is. Will they hit the floor running? Will they really be good? Will they lose any rhythm along the way? I, th- I don't think so. Brock Purdy, 4,240 yards, 31 touchdowns. I've never seen a stat like this. Brock Purdy's quarterback rating, John, is 113. That's wow. phenomenal. What's the max it can be? I don't know, 135, I believe. Yeah, something 113. like 113. That. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. 2,023 all-purpose yards, 21 touchdowns, run and catch. And if you're not freaked out about having to defend Purdy, 
and how you're going to stop Christian McCaffrey. Oh, by the way, Brandon Ayuk has 75 catches. Debo Samuels has 60. George Kittle has 65. And CMC, McCaffrey, he's got 67 catches coming out of the backfield. What an offensive football team. Jordan Love, 4,400-plus yards, passing 35 touchdowns. I don't know anybody except his family (laughs) that would have projected this type of accomplishment. And he's done it with four young wide receivers and a young tight end. I mean, it's it's like romper room, how inexperienced (laughs) these guys are, how how good they've become. I think the, the key for Green Bay... And I don't know how they're going to do this. they got to run the football. If they can have Aaron Jones have another 100-yard game, or if A.J. Dillon comes back, he's been dinged up. If they can run the football a little bit to help Jordan Love and keep Brock Purdy and his guys off the field, then maybe they have a chance to be in this one. I think this one has to be a shootout for Green Bay to be in the game. But I don't know how the Green Bay stops everything that San Francisco's got. I mean, it's phenomenal the layers of skilled people they got amongst that quarterback. Well, I was talking to one of my buddies who lives in San Francisco in North Beach, a big Niners fan. And it was during the Cowboy Packers game. And he was chilling, thinking we got a week off. We'll see who we face. And after that game, he was like, oh, wow, I don't know if I want to face the Packers. They look a lot better than I expected. But remember, it was a few years ago. Remember the Niners knocked them off in the snow in, at Lambeau? That was an exciting game. Aaron Rodgers didn't like it. Oh, yeah, he didn't. That was for sure. Uh, but this one, you know... I, you know, my heart and my head say it's all Niners, unless, like you say, something crazy happens. But Jordan Love, man, he's just having a nice little run here. Memo, fans forum, you're with us on the live stream. Pick one of these games. you got to comment. Jump on board in the chat room so that you can ask a question, because at the end, we're going to take your questions and talk about uh, the playoff game. So pick one of those games and... Give us an opinion. Hey, our Thursday podcast is brought to you by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. Comprehensive eye care, state-of-the-art technology, basic eye care to specialized eye care. That's who they are. North County Eye Center, Poway, Escondido. And by the good people of Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center. Nine locations to serve you. It's winter time. You don't like how the inside of your house feels? Drafty? Cold? Have you thought about windows and new doors? Take a trip to Dixie Line. Talk to their consultants. See what they've got to offer you as it relates to windows and doors. Home and apartment. Dixie Line Lumber. Nine locations to serve you in San Diego. On we go coaching carousel that's the next topic you chose yeah so the chargers and this is an interesting list of guys i mean how do you think this is going to go lee well here we are the chargers have interviewed everybody and i I don't think it's a dog and pony show i think it's probably the best head coaching vacancy in the nfl because of the quarterback justin herbert the wide receivers whatever the mix might be at running back and derwin james they have interviewed virtually everybody I was told Harbaugh wants 12 to 15 million per year and player personnel authority in addition to selecting who's going to be in the front office as it relates to player evaluations, scouting, etc. Wow. That's a lot to ask for. But then again, John, we're talking track record 49ers, track record University of Michigan. Now Harbaugh 
has interviewed not just with the Bolts. He just interviewed this week with Atlanta, and I'm of the opinion or waiting to see uh, if he goes and has a sit-down with the Raiders. But you know his brand. His brand is developing skill players. His brand is developing big, tough maulers. His brand is developing offensive and defensive lines. What do the Chargers need? Yeah, check all those boxes. Yeah, all of them. That's where we are with Harbaugh. I'm surprised they have not made a call to Bill Belichick. I was told this morning that Belichick is back in Atlanta for a second meeting. And I projected a week ago when he exited New England, landing spot would be Atlanta. Now he's in the process at this hour of having a second meeting with them. You know, he's a leader. He's a motivator. His attention to detail is through the roof. That's how he survived, won all those rings with Tom Brady over a 24-year period. They've not called him. They've not called Pete Carroll. Don't understand this. If you're interviewing all marquee names, why would you not interview this guy based on what he did in Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl, first place finishes, NFC Championship games? Based on what he did at Southern Cal, from a marketing standpoint, that would be a wow hire. He brings energy. His offense plays fast. He has great athletic defenses. Why have you not interviewed Pete Carroll? Now, they have interviewed eight other assistants, including Leslie Frazier, former head coach, Raheem Morris, former head coach. Friday, they're interviewing Dan Quinn of the Dallas Cowboys. And out of nowhere... I was told today they're meeting with Mike Vrabel, the deposed head coach of the Tennessee Titans, and they've interviewed, this This came out of nowhere, David Shaw, longtime NFL assistant, former 12-year veteran head coach at Stanford. So I give them credit because they've cast the net really far and wide, even though they never called Carroll, never called Belichick. So, John, I gave you a laundry list of names. Your thoughts on Harbaugh or Belichick or Pete Carroll or now Mike Vrabel's arrival at this hour in Los Angeles. What do you think they do? I, I think the Chargers are going to screw it up. <laughs> That's what they're going to do, right? Chargering. Yeah, so you figure Belichick goes to Atlanta. They're not interviewing Carroll. Let's just say Harbaugh gets overwhelmed by an offer somewhere or decides to stay at Michigan. And then suddenly, yeah, it's David Shaw or it's Mike Vrabel or it's going to be a hot coordinator, another hot coordinator like Ben Johnson. You know, I I don't see the Spanos family relinquishing all that power to Harbaugh, to player personnel, put his guys in the front office. The, the Spanoses have like this big ego, you know, and they want to be the, the, the guy in charge. And it's nepotism, and that's a hard thing to unplug. Nothing wrong with nepotism if you're on the receiving end. Just ask John Spanos. Uh, if they lose Harbaugh, that's a blow to credibility. On top of all the other mistakes this organization has made, only time will tell. If you're a Chargers fan, feel free to jump on board. Give us your opinion about the, quote, first family of football. That's not the only football franchises looking for a coach. There are seven vacancies right now in the NFL. This whole thing has kind of taken a U-turn. We're talking Raiders. The players have gone public. They have demanded Mark Davis keep Antonio Pierce. The players praised his leadership, praised his system, praised his mentality and his aggressiveness on the field. Now, they still don't have what I think is a really, really good roster, and I think they got a black hole at quarterback in the black hole that is Allegiant <laughs> Stadium. Take this 
pencil and connect some dots with me here. They just privately interviewed Greg Williams. Who? Greg Williams. Oh, yeah, yeah. Longtime defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Greg Williams, New Orleans, suspended yeah. all that junk. That's Greg what I Williams, remember, yeah. Buffalo. He's been with seven or eight different teams. Really good track record. Way off the charts in terms of persona and aggressiveness. If they're interviewing Greg Williams, that leads me to believe they're going to keep Antonio Pierce, bring in a clone to work with that defense. The other intangible thing, the storyline is out there. The Max Crosby has told Mark Davis in their exit meeting, this man meant a lot to us. This man made a big difference. You didn't keep the last interim coach you had in Biasucci. Remember the special teams guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And he's gone other places and everybody likes him. Max Crosby said, if you don't think you're going to keep Antonio Pierce, then maybe you should trade me too. Because mm-hmm. mm. he's he's impending free agent well, yeah. down the road. So that, that's the latest on that storyline. So what do the silver and black do? This could work out really well for the Raiders. I mean, imagine if they had Greg Williams and they were like the tough guys, the bad boys, you know, and they're hitting people harder than they should, maybe getting suspensions. It'd be like Lyle Alzado and the whole era back there in the 70s and 80s with the Raiders. Shut up. You sound like you're going to buy season tickets. Oh, that's what they need. They need the mystique, the the autumn wind of the Raiders. Um so keeping Pierce, I love that idea. And I love the players rallying for him. So now, yeah, you get a good offensive coordinator. You got a top draft pick. You get one of the top quarterbacks. Hey, suddenly Vegas might be a pretty electric uh, place to watch some games. So that's where we are. Lots to cover in NFL football. Raider Nation, want to hear from you. You do have the ability, whether you're in, in the slam or not, just to... <laughs> Join our chat room and fans forum. Tell us what to think the Raiders should do. We go from that. we got a couple of baseball stories to talk about before we get to halftime. Yeah, so these two players, the Snell and Hayter, they're, they're still hanging out there on the free agent market. They are still unsigned. And we are now, the first spring training camps open February 8th. Dodgers, Padres. Why? Because they're playing in Seoul, South Korea in early March. Oh, they're starting early. They're starting. I've never seen a baseball training camp open February 8th. The Dodgers open before the Super Bowl is played. Amazing. Anyhow, the Padres storyline. Why is Blake Snell unsigned? Why is Josh Hader unsigned? There's still a ton of guys out there and clubs are refusing to grossly overpay for mid-level guys. And a lot of big money's been spent on what few marquee free agents have gone and the players from Japan and what Otani accomplished. I, I asked around over the last 48 hours to all the people I network, Blake Snell's asking price is seven years, $210 million. Ooh, That's 30 mil per season. Blake Snell, historically, is a five-and-a-half-inning pitcher per start. Five-and-a-half. Mm-hmm. So you're going to pay $30 million per season for the next seven years for him to go out and pitch five and two-thirds innings every start because that's the number. With the Padres, he pitched 50, 128, 128, and last season, a career-tying 180. He's thrown for 180 innings only twice in nine years in Major League Baseball. Yankees were interested, but not at that price. Toronto is interested, but I don't think they want to go seven years. Red Sox, Angels, in and out of the mix. I don't think either one there. 
I wouldn't go more than five years for the guy. But who's he represented? Scott Boris. Scott Boris, seven years, 210. So, John, are you going to pay him 30 mil per year to go five innings per start for the next seven years? The Josh Hader situation, all the junk that came out of his mouth at the end of the season, I think, has really hurt him. Now, there is a new buyer out there. The Cubs are interested. Why? Craig Council, Milwaukee manager, had a good relationship with Hader in Milwaukee till the Brewers decided we're stop paying players or getting rid of them. Council's a manager at Wrigley Field. So maybe there's some linkage between Craig Council, Josh Hader, and I think the Cubs need a closer, but at what price? $20 million per year. Now, maybe on a short-term deal, two and three years, maybe you do that. But what he said, I think, has chased people away. You know, just memory refresher. Padres are fighting for their lives, trying to get into the damn wild card, much less no longer being available <laughs> right. to win the division. And Josh Hader was balking at pitching back-to-back days. And then Josh Hader was balking about going out there and pitching back-to-back innings. He did not want to have to go get four and five outs. He's had some arm problems. He knows his strength. He's put together some mystical numbers for the Ponderers outside of maybe a bad five-week span at the end of that first year. But evidently, this whole thing and his response at the end of the season to one of the beat writers is when they asked him, why don't you want to go for five outs and outing? Or why won't you go Tuesday and Wednesday back-to-back? He made the comment, are we in the playoffs? I think I think the junk that came out of his mouth has devalued him a little bit, which is too bad because I think he's as good a closer as there is in modern-day baseball. But So you tell me. You've given Snell all that money for five innings per start. Can you forgive Hader for stupid things he said? <laughs> well, Nolan Ryan needs to get a hold of Josh Hader and smack him around, get him in a headlock, and give him a noogie. <laughs> I mean, because R- Nolan Ryan would pitch like, God, he would go 10, 11 innings sure. in some of these games. And he was in a four-man rotation. He'd come back and pitch again. So, yeah, that's just that was weak, what Hader was saying. And, you know, even if Hader was willing to pitch four or five outs in a save, $20 million is a hell of a lot of money for a closer. I mean, how much is Diaz getting in, in, in New York? Well, he signed a huge extension. He's getting monster money there, too. Yeah. So, But, but Diaz didn't say that junk. No, but he was injured. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Snell, you know, Snell, I think he, he changed the way he pitched uh, this past year, especially with Gary Sanchez, and he was going longer innings. And I think he wasn't sweating the walks as much. And as a result, I think he had better performance and he was able to have a, a lower pitch count for a longer number of innings. He may have figured it out. But when you were talking about signing a guy for $30 million a year and you're not sure what you're going to get. Sometimes for seven you, years. For seven years. And then for and then meanwhile, maybe you got a hot young prospect and you're figuring, well, if, if Snell has an off year and I get like a 4.5 ERA, why not bring up my AAA pitcher that will give me a 4.5 ERA at the major league minimum? Except that John Riley, you signed him, so therefore you're paying him for seven years, whether he's good or bad. Well, that's why I think they're kind of hesitant to make that deal. But Boris is just driving this thing. I wonder if they're going to maybe set the price too high. I wonder if Snell is going to regret when spring training opens if he does not have a deal and if his price has to come down. Mm. Yeah, it could Interesting. happen. 
One other baseball note for those of us that have talked extensively about Padres, baseball, TV, diamond sports, and all that new development. I really like this, uh, and I'm anxious to learn more. Amazon Sports stepped into the middle of the Bally Sports Diamond Sports bankruptcy. Amazon has committed $115 million investment to become co-owner of Diamond Sports. They will take over the presentation of at least six of the teams that are out there that don't have TV contracts, Detroit, Kansas City, etc. However, they don't have access to Texas or Atlanta. They have an option to put $50 million more in sometime in this next season to get bigger control and maybe lure all these other teams to stay on board in what would be prime Amazon's TV streaming service, Bally is going to go away. That's where we are now. There are still five major league teams, including the Rangers and Braves, that don't have TV contracts yet formulated. Now, maybe they're all going to spill into Major League Baseball like the Padres did last year, which worked, but it did not work financially. Only time will tell in the next calendar month. But at this point, and Amazon, of course, dabbled in the NFL. Amazon has now jumped in to pick up the Royals and the Tigers and the Brewers. I, I can't remember all of them, but there's there's a total of six. But the, the big name teams are still out there. So that helps solve some of the problems. I don't know if it's going to solve the rest of it because Diamond Sports, Ballet Sports has still got this big bankruptcy proceeding because they also own NBA and NHL teams' rights, including the Ducks and the Kings. So mm-hmm. this is a very, very complex thing that's kind of financially fallen apart. So Amazon has now... Got a piece of baseball. This is good news, I think, because a lot of people already have the Amazon Prime just so they can get the free shipping. And then, oh, by the way, you get the you get the video on top of it. And other people have already signed up for it to get the Thursday night football. So for some people, this would be like no big deal. It's just like another, you know, another thing on Amazon and they're already paying for it. And now they're going to get this as opposed to what we had the last few years. We didn't know what how were they going to stream the Padres or the Rangers? It was always up in the air. You never really got the the lowdown until March on this. Now, this doesn't affect the Padres, though, right? No, Padres' deal is under MLB's banner. Right. So I think this would be great if it was with the Padres, but now we're still in a weird zone. I, I still don't know how I'm going to get the Padres streaming, because last year I got it on DirecTV Stream. Um, I'm not sure what's gonna what it's going to be this year. We'll find out. You'll just be coming to my house bringing beer and sandwiches I exactly. just every night. <laughs> hey, we get to halftime. Hope you're enjoying our Thursday podcast. Our podcasts are brought to you by Dick's Inline Lumber and Home Center Stores. John's great at doing projects around the house. You <laughs> go to his kitchen and say, man, what a great set of closets you built or counters, etc. Well, the, the latest thing that John has to decide, because I decided this and I did it through those people, Windows and doors, because, dude, it's cold in the winter in San Diego. Not Buffalo cold, but cold, and therefore you get drafts, etc., and your heating bill goes up. John, brief explanation. Windows, doors, Dixie Line. Yeah, I mean, they've got a great team there, you know, that, that'll install that windows and doors. And the cool thing with the doors, it's not just like a regular old front door. They got all the cool styles. And they have also got the the sliding doors, you know, the, the big patio sliding doors that kind of make a space, your indoor space and outdoor space is one continuous space. You know, it's like a disappearing wall. Some of these, these, uh, 
these sliding doors. So it's really cool stuff, especially for upscale homes along the coast. You know why we sit and dress when we wear hoodies? Because it's always <laughs> hold, it's cold in our Dixie Line studios. Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center stores, these are the people you should call. And our podcast is also brought to you by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. We will all need advice on our eyesight as we grow older. You have problems. These people have solutions. Cataracts to glaucoma procedures to cornea surgeries. And a unique, extensive screening program, regardless of what your age is. Vision test for all. The dry eye treatment. They have 11 specialists and 4 surgical specialists at North County Eye Center. We all need eye pro- have solutions to our problems. I had them. I went there. I was pleased. You need to talk to these people, North County Eye Center, Poway Escondido. And a programming reminder, we invite you to join us right at the end of our Thursday podcast for Fans Forum. Just get to that chat box, have a question, we will give you answers. John created Hacksaw's Insiders Group. We're rolling out some ideas for 2024. John, how do they join our team? Yeah, you just sign up, get on the list, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com, look for that orange box, put in your name and email, get on the list. We've got, you know, the best 15 going out every day, plus some really exciting ideas for 2024. And we remind you, check my website because I write on it every day of the week. You give me five minutes, I will guarantee you'll know everything there is in the world of sports. We post it late in the evening. It's there first thing in the morning. So we have covered football. We have covered baseball. Let's bounce a few basketballs here in the corner. Yeah, we're talking Lakers here. And this is a really interesting board you put together here, Lee. Here's the question. The Lakers are halfway through the NBA season. The Lakers are a 500 basketball team. The Lakers, you know, way back in the day, Lakers, West, Baylor, Wilt, Showtime Lakers, Kareem, Magic, and all those great players, Kobe and Shaq. Lakers are in 10th place in the West. This is the (laughs) fifth year in a row we have had to deal with this. So you have to tell me if you're a Laker fan. This is bad chemistry, bad roster, etc. I went through and did a collection of the acquisitions that that guy, Rob Palenka, the general manager, made to try to fix the Lakers roster to put people around Anthony Davis, LeBron James. This past offseason, he went into the marketplace and he got Terion Prince, Gabe Vincent from Miami, Cam Reddish, Knicks, Christian Wood, San Antonio. Hardly any of them have made a difference, and the Lakers are sitting there at 21 and 21. He did that after the year prior in 2022 when he brought in Russell Westbrook, Dennis Schrader, Pat Beverly. We all thought that'd make a huge difference in terms of chemistry and tenacity. That didn't work out. You do remember 2021, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, Rajon Rondo, etc. They thought that was going to make a difference. Didn't work. 2020, they had, they found Alex Caruso. They rented Drummond, Marcus Gasol, Montrezl Harrell. Got rid of all of them. That failed. And even as far back as 2019, Contavious Caldwell-Pope played well in spurts. They did have Dwight Howard. They uncovered JaVale McGree. Didn't keep these guys together. That's five years of attempts by that guy to fix the roster. And they're no better now, John Riley, than they were five years ago. 
I mean, I was I knew there was those those names are out there, and now the the numbers of those names out there that came were supposed to help didn't help. Haven't solved anything, and now they have virtually no draft picks, and they have two aging players, and those same set of circumstances now they were before. Well, maybe the problem isn't those players. A lot of those guys are very productive on other teams now. You know, Harrell was terrific with the Clippers. Um, Who was the other one that was on those? Caldwell Polk has been playing pretty well. Um, So maybe the problem is is LeBron and and AD. You know, maybe they're having the problem of meshing with all these you know supporting cast members because Palenka keeps rolling in guys that seem to have the right talent level. It's stunning to me. I guess you're you're assessing the question. There's only one basketball on the floor, and the basketball has to go through AD and LeBron all the time, and nobody else can really yeah. become the third wheel in the deal. Yeah, pretty much. It, it's stunning. You're a Laker fan. Give me a response to what, what we just dug up here. It's it's really weird how hard they've tried, how much they've failed, and they're in 10th place in the West. Can you believe that? <laughs> next basketball topic. Okay, yeah. This, this next one here has been making news, and it's a sad story with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, well, you got a lot of problems here. Let's start, first of all, with the New York Knicks. The owner, James Dolan, controversial, a failure as an owner, disliked by his own fans, has been hit with a federal lawsuit that he sexually assaulted a massage therapist that was involved with the club and did other projects. He emphatically denies it. He says it's a money grab. The lawsuit also says that James Dolan was involved with Harvey Weinstein. Oh, no. Harvey Weinstein, who currently, if he's watching this uh, podcast, is in prison. (laughs) And that that he delivered women to Weinstein and who knows where that went. So Dolan's got a massive credibility problem again. At Golden State, they're not having a good season. This is a tragic story. The NBA just an hour ago canceled another Golden State game. Uh, Their longtime assistant coach comes from great European bond. Uh, Dijon Milosevic dropped dead of a heart attack and a stroke at a team dinner the other night in Chicago, I believe it was. And the players are all there, and they could not save his life. The coaches went to the hospital with him. He underwent major emergency surgery. He passed away hours after. The trauma on behalf of the Golden State players just must be devastating at this point. So is Steve Kerr. He just could not talk about what he experienced. And th- this guy, uh, Milojevic, great track record working with European players, including Nikola Jokic. He helped develop him. Really? In Serbia? Yeah. I believe. Yeah, the yeah. former Yugoslavia. Yeah. And so just just a shocking story. A lot of unhappiness, coaches versus referees. Mike Brown, $50,000 fine, Sacramento Kings coach. He not only won haywire during the game about blown calls, he went to a press conference and he brought his laptop and they had assistants had downloaded all the blown plays that he had sent to the league office and said, your guys got this wrong. Turned the lob tap, and he ran the blown plays for the media really? to see. He's going to get fined. 50 thou, pal. Yeah. <laughs> he, they, he just got fined yesterday. And then there's Darko Rajakovic, uh, head coach from Toronto, longtime NBA assistant, European. He got so incensed at brutal calls at his press post-game press conference, he started pounding the table 
I guess how they do that in Russia. Um, <laughs> he obviously has had this whole thing kind of come apart on the seams of him. He's also seen the organization, his general manager, trade Pascal Siam, uh, Siakam to Indiana in a five-for-one deal. They stripped the roster completely. You know, earlier, about a month ago, they traded O.J. Onunubi. He went to the Knicks in a major deal. And, of course, they let Fred Van Fleet leave and Kawhi Leonard leave. So what once upon a time was a pretty proud, pretty good Toronto Raptors championship franchise has now been strip mined completely. And Rajakovic got socked with a $25,000 fine because of the table-pounding incident critiquing the referees. So, not a good time in the NBA coaches versus guys with a whistle. No. I mean, we were just talking about how the the columnists locally were whining about the referees with the Aztec basketball program. It's just a bad look. I mean, you know, I understand they're frustrated with it, but you, you got to not present that to the to the press, to the media. I mean, because it makes you look like a whiner. So that's that's a shame. Here's my laptop. Look at these plays they blew. Well, well yeah. I mean, but, you know, I think any coach could do that because there's always bad calls. I mean, in the end, you've got to have your players step up. Um you know, the Sacramento Kings is another team. They're like the Detroit Lions, right? That have, they haven't won anything in a million years. They're making progress. They're getting closer. Mm-hmm. Now, the rumor is that there might be a, another trade coming, but it's going to cost them Harrison Barnes or one of their other marquee players. But they're just trying to find the last piece of the puzzle that maybe pushes them over the top. I always thought Mike Brown was a really good coach. Yeah, yeah, he, he is good. Hopefully they, they are improving. But have you ever seen a situation like this with the Warriors where a player or a coach dies like suddenly, like not on the field or on the court, but some medical thing like this? I mean, this is crazy. Not not in that shocking fashion. I mean, Tex Winter passed away, and he was at the tail end of a great career as a longtime assistant to Phil Jackson, Chicago, and L.A., but that, that, that was an age and illness thing. But could you imagine at a team dinner on a road trip? Having somebody go down, oh, oh just uh, Steve Kerr's having a really, really tough year. He's going to have to soldier through this. We go from NBA basketball to hoops, college hoops. hoops. Yeah, so San Diego State, man, they, they played last night. It kind of got interesting. They did beat Nevada. They battered Nevada early. Wolfpack came back at halftime. They came from 16 back to tie the game. And then Jaden Ledee took over the game. And Mr. Double-Double Ledee end of the game with the way he played. Here's my summary. They're really nicked up. They had one guard last night because Tremel's been ill. And they're they're just really, really struggling. They were down to one guy. And and Reese Waters played pretty doggone well in crunch time, as as did Ledee. I think we need to understand the Mountain West is really tough. Oh, big time. Big time. I mean, you're going to get punched in the mouth. It might be in their building. It might be at VAOS. You're going to lose some games. The only thing that counts now is the growth of your young players at San Diego State. And we've seen flashes. They've been pretty good. Growth of those young guys and get to the Mountain West Conference Tournament and win that sucker. You win that sucker. You're going to get a pretty good seating. And then you're going to go to March Madness. And then we'll see. This is a very different basketball team than what we saw last year going to the NCAA Finals, beating Bama, and then scaring the daylights out of UConn before they ran out of time on the clock. That was a very unique basketball team. Nobody's ever brought this up 
too busy writing columns, playing crybaby about the refs. That was a once-in-a-lifetime team because they had so many sixth-year veteran players yes. who stayed in school, did not jump ship, did not go into the transfer portal, did not try to go to the NBA. Those guys stayed in school. And look what they became as an ultra-super-experienced team. They went to the NCAA championship game. I don't know if you can reduplicate that again at San Diego State. I think that was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But that being said, you got a lot of young pups. Grow them, develop them. you got a maybe a first-round draft pick, power forward in Ladie. And you got veteran experience at guard. So just grow this thing. Understand you might get a black eye if you go into one of these buildings in the conference because the conference is so bloody tough. And, you know, they, they do have to go to Boise State. On mm-hmm. the weekend, and they still they got to play Utah State twice. Mm-hmm. So you know there's there are going to be some bumps in the road going forward. But really good basketball team wasn't easy, but they got the thing done. Thank you, double double the D, double double the D. Yeah, but the, think about was about ten years ago. Remember Butler went to the championship sure. game two years in a row with veterans with with veterans. So why not the Aztecs? I mean, why not? I mean, they, they keep getting better as the season goes on. Okay, now I'm going to whine about the refs. <laughs> It's amazing how Ladie gets double teamed, triple teamed in the paint. And gets banged around. And he's like having to shirk guys off of his shoulders just so he can get the the ball up. And then meanwhile, the announcers were saying that the big guy, what's his name, Zach Eady over at Purdue, people just barely touch him and it's a foul. So it's kind of weird how it's so inconsistent. But, man, I'll tell you what, those, those muscles in his arms and his shoulders are remarkable. Um, it's incredible what he's able, what able to accomplish. I mean, the Aztecs would be nowhere without him. Well, they're running a lot of different sets to try to get him the ball in different locations, and he's a really fine player. And, yes, you are correct. Uh, this is going to sound like I'm whining. <laughs> he does get banged around a lot. A lot. Okay, we go from that. Last topic on the table is going to be what's happening on the Pro Golf Tour. This is a saga that just keeps unfolding. They're love me, love me not, right? So the PGA Tour kicked off in Hawaii. Mm. They, they, they played the Century Tournament in Lahaina and Maui. And they played the Sony Tournament. Now they're stateside. They're at La Quinta, the American Express Classic. This is the first stop in the U.S. mainland. We would have thought this deal would have been done. This deal, the PGA Tour versus LIV Golf. They've gotten a 30-day window extension to try to solidify the transaction. $3 billion investment from the Saudi fund. $3 billion possibly from the Fenway Sports Group, which would solidify global golf. They got problems because there's an attachment to this Saudi proposal. $3 billion, but by the way, we are demanding there will be team play in the tournaments that the Saudi side is going to operate. They want team play, not medal play, team play hmm. for all the tournaments in Europe, the ones they're going to create in Africa, and the ones in Japan. For some reason, the Saudis are hooked that this is the best thing for golf to have <laughs> Phil Mickelson to have a team and Dustin Johnson to have a team, and now John Ram has got a team. PGA says, no, we don't want that. Metal play has been our signature, the persona of what our PGA events have been. So that's a big issue. There's also a difference of opinion. How do we implement the LPGA to be part of the global growth of 
Golf. Mm -hmm. Sadly, the LPGA Tour here in the States just seems to be running out of gas, running out of sponsors. It's a big issue. And the top of the leaderboard are all foreigners almost nonstop now, maybe the last five, six years. So they're struggling over what the LPGA thing, the concept should be. Should it be the LPGA Tour in the U.S. or have special events in Europe that the Saudis will control and let them configure if they want to make it match play or team play or PGA versus LPGA? It's just very complex mosaic right now. So how do you implement that? And who's going to win this this power struggle? Do you like the Masters? Do you, do you like the British Open? Yeah, yeah. Metal play? Yeah. You want to see a team play? Why not? You know, why not have a little bit of both? I mean, I, I kind of like this idea of having the team play because it's just a different way to look at the sport, right? You know, I mean, metal play is terrific, and I would never want to not have metal play for the Masters or the U.S. Open or the British Open. But why not have, I mean, if we're going to go global, if we're going to expand into Africa and Asia and Europe, why not have some team play there, shake it up? And I love the idea of bringing the women together and maybe some of these tournaments, they could, why not having a male and female teams together? I mean, that might be kind of fun. I mean, it's not like it's every weekend, but it'd be, you know, as the, as the schedule rolls out. Not the Saudis want it every weekend. This will be the format in Europe and Africa and in Japan so, as part of the marketing deal because the Saudis are going to control that aspect. Now, it's under the PGA flag. The PGA says, no, we run metal play. We're not going to bastardize the history of the way that the game, the matches are played by making it team play. Um, well, Big argument. But is like, for example, on any given weekend, would there be a metal play match in America and then a team match somewhere else on the other side of the planet? No. It'd it, be, when you have a composite schedule. Yeah. They, they, they wouldn't overlap, in other words. No. So hypothetically, you could still have the Masters in, what is it, in April, right? Yes. You could still have the Masters in April. And, you know, why not maybe in the winter months, maybe you do some of that in Asia or Africa where the weather might make sense. Why not? It's been a struggle. That's why this thing has not been solved yet, and we thought it would have been solved. Yeah. And everybody's got an opinion, and John Rahm is about to tee off February 2nd in his first LIV tournament abroad. Oh, by the way, the, how, how did that thing go? How did the tournament go down in Lahaina? I mean, after the fires in Maui. Well, the, the, where the golf course was is, is nowhere near downtown Lahaina that burned to the ground. Okay. But it, it it was a huge issue. There had been conversation. Let's just move it to Oahu, mm -hmm. and play, uh, or play in on the island of Hawaii. Instead, the the golfer said, "No, we want to do fundraising. We want to do a creative amount of things that'll generate money for the Red Cross or cool. rebuild Lahaina." And they, a lot of those players, did that. Nice. Okay, it's time for his best friends to join my podcast so <laughs> you can be involved. We call this thing Fans Form. John, geez, we got people lined up from here down the hill into the street. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, pick and choose. Okay, we got a couple of guys that will kick us off here. George says, are those phone lines lit? Bleeping brilliant. <laughs> Dennis, I think the correct quote is, get off your ass and get on the phone. There you the go. <laughs> okay, then uh, Dennis... His last name's Good Night. Like Good Night now, Dennis. Good Night now. I like Buffalo. Buffalo at home. You know, there's always been fascination. Well, if Patrick Mahomes had to really do this, how could he do it on the road? 
Like I said, Mahomes 10-2 and at Arrowhead in postseason games. Now, that does not include Super Bowl neutral site games, but mm-hmm. we're talking wild card weekend or divisional play. He's 10-2. and two. Dude has never played a road playoff game. Welcome. That is Josh Allen. That is cold. That is snow. That is 86,000 crazy Buffalo fans drinking Genesee beer. That's just mind-boggling. He's never played a playoff game on the road. That's because they've been so good. Well, they haven't been the number one seed every year. So maybe when they weren't the number one seed, maybe did they lose a playoff game at home? No. They never have. So they've always been the number one seed. No, I'm sorry. He's... He is ten and two. He lost two playoff games at Arrowhead. At Arrowhead, but yeah. he's ten and two. That's incredible. But I he's mean, never played there. Yeah. So we're going to find out how they do on the road. They're used to the cold weather. They went through it. But to me, this is this is the year of the Buffalo Bills. The world stops this weekend to watch Kansas City and Buffalo. Go ahead, John. Next question. Okay. Let's go to Angel. And he says Baker Mayfield is having a renaissance, but comeback players should either be Rams Matthew Stafford or Cooper Cup. We always knew Stafford was a star. Cupta has not had the productive season this year that he had prior uh, to the siege of injuries he had with the Rams. I mean, what Mayfield has done is 32 touchdown passes this season, well over 4,000 yards. That's that's kind of interesting. I don't have a problem with those Rams guys, but I think Mayfield has come from farther back in the pack. You know, Stafford just had to recover from some injuries, and he was back on the field and has done very well. But Mayfield doing this by himself with, with a coach in trouble, an organization that some people thought had seen its better time. Fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, to me, Baker Mayfield is the guy for comeback player of the year. I mean, Stafford, great story. Stafford was in the limelight a few years ago. Maybe this is Baker Mayfield's time. Moving on. Okay, let's go here to John. And he says, there's a a nice winter snow predicted by the DMV this weekend. Don't see the Texans being the Ravens in the cold. It's a good time to be a Harbaugh. Yeah, there's a lot of blast of winter weather coming to the... Is it Delmarva Peninsula? Is that where Baltimore and Washington and Philadelphia and Virginia all kind of linked together? The yeah, Mid-Atlantic. Yeah, big-time weather. Uh, so, yeah, this is going to be a huge challenge for C.J. Stroud because you're not playing indoors in Houston in that dome anymore. And that is Baltimore's defense, which is pretty rugged. But give that kid credit. You know, it's too bad he's lost two of his top three wide receivers, though he does have Nico Collins and they do have Devin Singletary to run the football. But there's, I think, Baltimore at home, Baltimore with the weather, Baltimore with Lamar, Baltimore with that roster, too much. Too much, yeah. But I, I, it is a good time to be a Harbaugh, right? Yeah. Even Harbaugh dad got up on the national championship stage and was able to kind of shout out on the microphone. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to be with the Texans. You know, my son lives in Houston. He's adopted the team. I like C.J. Stroud, D'Amico Ryan. I think it's a great story. And, and let's just see how golden that bye week is. We carry on with more. Okay, let's go here to Raul. He says, Raider Nation is a hot mess of emotions. As every fan is a GM and wants their coach, AP, Antonio Pierce, stays, like it or not. At this point, I think that Max Crosby's carried the room. I, th- I think the statements he's made and the fact that these players went public, um, that that carries an awful lot of clout 
I think, with Mark Davis. And the fact that they snuck Greg Williams, who's a really established defensive coordinator, in in the middle of darkness to interview him, that leads me to believe, connecting the dots, Pierce stays, Williams is his right-hand guy. And it'll be fascinating to see what they do on the offensive side of the football because they're going to need a quarterback because I don't think Aiden O'Connell's a guy. And obviously Garoppolo is emotionally ready to step away and put himself back on the free agent market in March and see if he can resuscitate his career. You know, it would be such a, a ridiculous decision if if uh, Mark Davis decides not to keep AP. I mean, because if, you're, if your players are clamoring for the guy, they want to run through a brick wall for that guy, and you say no, I mean, they got to bring Antonio Pierce back. And I love the idea of bringing in a tough guy to transform the defense. And, you know, they're going to have a first-round draft pick, so maybe there is a unique quarterback out there they can get, or maybe once we get the final free agent list, maybe there's a free agent that they can lure there, because they sure do have pieces around the quarterback. They just don't have anything established because Garoppolo is not the same quarterback right now post-injuries. Yeah, I was just still shocked they signed Garoppolo, but here we go again. Okay, let's go to Gary. And Gary says, I honestly think Snell doesn't have seven years left in him. Well, he throws a ton of pitches to get through innings. He does not throw a lot of innings. Uh, There's still a wear and tear factor, I think, that you wake up one morning and this guy's not the same pitcher anymore. That's I I would never give a pitcher seven years. And I like Snell. He's a little bit offbeat, but the guy goes, he's a gamer. He goes out and does it, but he only does it for five innings a game. And like I said, I mean, Scott Boros takes stars and gets them mega contracts, but my team, I'll give him five years or maybe I'll give him three years in options. That's state-of-the-art money. I'll give him three years at $90 million. That's 30 per. And then we'll have options for years four and five if there is a year or four and five. I'm not giving a pitcher seven years, period, exclamation point. And I know you can argue with me about what the Dodgers gave Yamamoto, what the Yankees gave Garrett Cole, but those are exceptions to the rules. And those people are walking around like this with their fingers crossed, hoping nothing ever happens to those guys because they're on a hook for 10, 10 years. Well, Yamamoto hasn't pitched in Major League Baseball at all, and Snell has two Cy Young awards. I mean, but but still, I, I think the math on all of this is is changed. I think the way the GMs look at it, they sign someone to a seven-year deal. I don't think they expect that they're going to pitch for seven years. Except you're on the hook for seven years. But they understand that, and it gives them a chance to spread out the dollars so that the player gets the big dollar volume for the contract. But, you know, the Padres signed you, Darvish, and Machado and Bogarts to play into their 40s. That's not going to happen. Those last few years of that deal are going to be, you know, throwaway years. So are you telling me, broadcasting from left field today, you would give Snell seven years? Well, the question is how many years I, I would sign Snell with the understanding that I may not get the the length of the contract, I might not get Snell for that full amount. But if that's the price that he's going to require, you know, and I have to pony up $210 million, seven times $30 million, then maybe that's the going price, assuming he doesn't price himself out of the market. But, you know, p- pitching wins championships and people are going to make the move, I think. Do you get cold at night sleeping out in left field with opinions <laughs> like that? Okay, move on. A couple more on fans form. All right. Let's go here to uh, Emmanuel. He says, I think Amazon and streaming is the future of regional sports networks. Hopefully it leads to teams signing free agents. Well, there's a whole bunch of layers of things here. 
uh, item one, it, it's okay for John Riley to say, Amazon, great deal. We don't know what the Amazon price tag is going to be. You know, this is this is like we had the discussion last week about the NFL and that the one playoff game on streaming, and they had 23 million people signed up for the that one Kansas City playoff game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 23 million at $5.99. And suddenly everybody says, that works. Well, pal, if they take this thing, the AFC Championship game, NFC Championship game, and the Super Bowl are on streaming. And John, by the way, you're so excited. Uh, that'll be two hundred ninety nine ninety five for the three games. Mm-hmm. Now are you excited? We don't know what the price tag's going to be. But, you know, you're already paying the cable company to get, you know, when we were getting Bally Sports through cable, we're, we're still paying for it. This It's just reconfiguring how you pay for it. But, but you know, that's 162 games. That's not three playoff games at $299. Well, you okay. Don't, you don't think the NFL is going to let you have it for $5.99, well, do you? the NFL is going to squeeze that turnip and get as much out of it as they can. <laughs> it's called but, squeezing the rock. Well, yeah, okay. Well, Emmanuel, I think, brings up a good point, though, about signing free agents, because I think the Padres losing the Bally Sports deal yes. has affected their payroll. Oh, exactly. So I think of all, there's like you say, there's so many layers to this issue. Okay. A couple more here on Fans Forum. Okay. And uh, let's go here to Manny. And he says, could this be the year where Scott Boris finally strikes out for his clients? The remaining big four, Bellinger, Snell, Hayter, and Chapman, still haven't found a team. Well, you don't want to use the word collusion because that end that end up really badly. But there's got to be some common sense, too. I mean, Boris gets, gets paydays for his players. And at, at this point... There doesn't seem to be any interest in a seven-year contract for a pitcher. I think Chapman's price will come down. I, if it were me, I gotta believe that Snell might might wind up with a five-year contract. I'd I've given him three years plus two options. Uh, Hater may well be going to Chicago because of the relationship with Craig Council, and I think Chapman's going to wind up in San Francisco with the Giants. But I don't think it's it's going to be at a twenty-five million dollar a year contract. So again. Agent can ask if somebody's willing to pay, there's the market. If somebody's not willing to pay, then you got to rethink the whole process. And, you know, like I say, spring training opens in less than 30 days at most places. Yeah, most places. You know, one of the fans um, in social media was joking because we were speculating about Bauer and Urias and saying maybe they should go as a package to one team just so they can eat the whole bad PR, you know, nut at once. But Chapman has a history. You know, so imagine if a team took all three of those guys. I mean, that could be a circus. But what a, at what price? Right. <laughs> That's the big issue, because who represents some of these guys? Okay, let's go to social media, because I'm sure we're going to get slammed there, too. Oh, you know we will. <laughs> so, you know, okay, let's go here. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, here, here's a good one for Stafford and the Lions. And this is from Smooth One Now. He says, there were some uneven calls in the game. Two that bother me were the roughing the passer call. No calls. Rams got a terrible call roughing the passer. Then Stafford gets the bleep kicked out of him. He almost gets a concussion and a separated shoulder. Two guys pounded him. Nada. Then the obvious defensive holding call on Nuka uh, uh, grabbed his jersey. Game set and match proved me wrong. No, you're not wrong. Game is so fast. The game is so furious. Uh, it's a real I think it's a real trouble spot. My gut feel, and I don't think the league would do it, Sky Judge, eighth official in the booth that can immediately stop the game, review a play, 
and say that was a helmet hit once and twice on Stafford because he got it from both sides mm-hmm. when he went down. And then you throw a delayed flag. But the issue is, are we going to stop the game every time there's a controversial call? Are we taking the challenges away from the coach? Or do we include an extra challenge that Sean McVay can throw the red flag out there and say, my quarterback got hit on both sides of the helmet. They were helmet hits. You need to review it. And then you throw the penalty flag. But you don't want the game to grind to a halt because everybody's waiting for the sky judge upstairs. Tough, tough call. Well, the main thing is they just got to get it right, right? So it, it, even if it, there's a, a pause in the game and they got to review the film, you know, just go get another beer out of the fridge or, you know, go to the boys' room and take care of business, you know, just as long as they get it right. And if they got it right, then you wouldn't have NBA coaches flipping their laptop around <laughs> in the media, you know, showing them all the bad calls. Tough call. I think it really slowed the game down. But Sky Judge, I think has to be in place to really help. You know, the the NFL has medical people that will buzz the referee, stop this game, take Stafford out of the game to the blue tent for an examination. Yeah. So you've got that. So why not a sky judge on the most controversial calls? Yeah. But does the sky judge make the decision to stop it? Or do you give the coaches one extra timeout to throw a challenge flag to say, my quarterback got hit in the face mask you need to look and see if that's a penalty. Well, I would prioritize the sky judge first because they're going to have the video. They're going to be looking at it where the you know the coach is only seeing it from one angle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Social media, slam two. Slam two. Okay, here. Let's go here to Philip. And he said, I had to look up that NASCAR fight you mentioned. It was 1979. <laughs> Hilarious. Thanks for bringing this to my attention. Rip to Cale Yarbrough. We were talking about Cale Yarbrough's passing about a week ago and how he helped make NASCAR on TV work during a winter month when the nation was paralyzed by blizzards and everybody had to stay home. And here was the first ever televised Daytona 500 NASCAR, because at that point, NASCAR was a good old boy sport with a bunch of moonshiners racing cars on weekends. <laughs> and Cale Yarborough was banging doors with Davey Allison, and they were fighting one and two to win at Daytona, and they crashed each other out, and they both wound up spinning into the infield right next to each other, and they came out throwing punches. And they're lucky they didn't have wrenches in the cars because they were using the wrenches on the other guy. So that was the signature first time on television. It's like the old NFL. They say the National Football League became something special vis-a-vis television when the Baltimore Colts beat the New York Giants in the championship game in 1958 that went to overtime. Johnny Mm -hmm. Unitas, Alan Amici, and all that. That's what made the NFL what it has become, that first signature event that was on TV. Same thing with NASCAR. You know, I went back and looked up that YouTube video as well, and it's terrific. I mean, it's just like the Dukes of Hazard or something. Yeah. You'd be expecting Bo and Lou Duke to be out there. Uh, but, yeah, what a history. I mean, those guys, no question. Yep. One more here. One more. Okay, let's do a Padre one here. And this is uh, from Michael. And he says, uh, talk about Preller, one of the worst GMs in the league. Trade for trade for or overpays guys um uh, for career years, if this was a few years ago, he'd be offering Hassan Kim a huge contract worth tens of millions more than the next closest bidder. Well, my big concern is if they trade Kim, and Kim's name is out there going to Miami in a deal for either center fielder Jazz Chisholm or pitcher Jesus Lazardo, 
And there's no doubt Chisholm's a good player, though he was hurt last year. And Lazardo has come back from physical woes, and he's a rock-solid middle back-end-of-the-rotation guy. But, man, Kim is so popular, and Kim's been so productive. And it's it's only $8 million per year. And if you're trading, you're, it, to me, it comes off like a salary dump. And that's a bad message to the fans on top of whatever else you've done. I have such a mixed bag of emotions about Preller. I, I subscribe to his philosophy, boots on the ground. He may employ the most scouts in the world because hmm. they go get players, they find players, etc. But I have a problem because he overpaid. My golden retriever could sign <laughs> all the players the Padres have if my golden retriever had a blank check and could pay anything. And that's what Preller's done is he's overpaid everybody. And I was thinking about this this morning on the way coming over here. MLB radio, uh, the home plate channel that I used to do weekend shows for, they were having a discussion about money and contracts and players. And so part of it was about Snell. And I was just thinking about the international free agency. And, you know, we talked extensively about Adrian Morion, the young left-hander who's been with the Padres six years, seven years now within the system, can't keep him healthy. They signed him to an 11 million contract. And they had to pay an $11 million tax because they were over the limit. Mm -hmm. And then they signed uh, another Cuban outfielder, Jorge Oña. They paid him seven, had to pay a $7 million contract uh, in tax. So Morion's value is $22 million investment. Oña's value, who they just released, is fourteen. That's $36 million for two guys who haven't done anything at the major league level with any big input. Morion, you know, has had— a good week or two or a good month. Onya never got here, hit one home run one time he was here, went back and never amounted to anything. He was hitting 214 at double A last year, and they finally got rid of him. That's $36 million. So the aspect of Preller burning through currency drives me crazy. He knows players. He knows talent. But, geez, what they've spent. And have they been the World Series yet? Uh, no. no. In nine years? No, no. no. So that's where we are. I try to counterbalance my emotions about the Padres general manager. Well, isn't it interesting, the, the history of Preller? Because he comes on board, and all of a sudden, there's a the big splash. You get Matt Kemp and the Upton brothers and all and Kimbrell. At a big price. At a big price. He unloads the farm system. That doesn't work. He, he you know, kind mm-hmm. of reconfigures makes the huge investment in those in the, that international draft in 2017, built the farm system up a second time. And they traded Mackenzie Gore and his friends to Washington. Right. For the rental. But then now they're for far, they just signed that DeVries kid. And so their farm system is like a top 10, top five program. It seems like they keep going from big star years to other years where they got Will Myers and a bunch of nobodies. One, maybe they can find that equal equilibrium where you've got, you know, four or five star players and you fill in the gaps with the young guys that are going to be able to produce for you. Well, that's the way it's going to have to be because there, there is no more blank check at Petco Park. No way. So that's where we are. Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed our Thursday podcast brought to you by the good people at North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido. We all need to have things as we grow older solved with our eyesight. You need North County Eye Center, Poway Escondido. And you need doors and windows. If you're thinking about a project like that, you need to think about our best friends at Dixie Line Lumber and Home Centers. Nine stores here in San Diego County. 
They specialize not just in lumber, not just in tools, but in doors and windows, too. John, take a deep breath. Here comes the great sports weekend. Here comes, as you say, the best weekend in the National Football League as it relates to the divisional playoffs. And we'll be back here Monday. Monday. Monday, 1 o'clock. We will be back here. I want you to make sure you text, email, tell all your friends what we're doing with our podcast. John, have yourself a great sports weekend. It's going to be great. And thank you for joining us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.